Welcome to the Stay Hot Podcast 10th Region Weekly. We've made it to our finale. Alongside me is Evan Dennison of the Ledger Independent. And Evan, when we started this about 13 or 14 weeks ago, I'm not sure we'd ever make it to the end, but here we are. And not only talking about the 10th Region Tournament, but just an exciting season for basketball around in the 10th Region. But we're going to focus tonight on the 10th Region Tournament and how it ended, focus a little bit on the uh, – what the 10th region has to look forward to next year. Then we'll finish off with the uh, KHSAA Sweet 16. And Evan, uh, an exciting day in Kentucky and all around college basketball with Selection Sunday. So um, here we are. You know, we'll finish off Selection Sunday with more excitement in the Stay Hot podcast. Man, so I believe it's 15 weeks. You know, that's crazy. That's almost four months worth of podcasting. So. It's been a blast. I uh, appreciate you uh, inviting me and having me on. And, you know, it's it's cool to hear from from people, you know, throughout the year saying I enjoyed the podcast. You know, thanks for thanks for doing it. And, you know, it's just a new a new form of, of kind of, I guess, media or communication is, is people love podcasts. And a lot of people spend time in their cars or, you know, have time at the office to throw in their earbuds and, and they want to listen to certain things. And, I'm not saying we're the number one top choice seller like, you know, KSR or, or Joe Rogan out there. But, uh, you know, um, it, it's something I think where it's it's a niche and people kind of like, you know, to talk about the 10th region. And there's very there's very passionate and loyal fans when it comes to 10th region and Kentucky high school basketball. So you uh, took the so words right out of my mouth. And, you know, this area, one thing is passionate about high school basketball. And, you know, it, like you said, I concur with everything you just said, because, you know, it seems like every week I was getting new comments on the Stay Hot podcast or direct message from people and getting new followers and, you know, people just picking up and listening. And, you know, it's been exciting. And I think it, you know, it makes it exciting for us when you continue to get new listens each week and your numbers continue to grow and, you know, regardless if our numbers grow or not, I've had fun doing it. Um, we do it for those. But I will tell you this, you know, the new form of media, you're right, it is podcasting. I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts. Whenever I'm in the vehicle, I'm listening to either sports or true crime. I put my earbuds in and I go. But um, I will say this, when it comes to 10th region basketball, I will say that we're two of the more knowledgeable people because, one, I've either coached against these kids or I've watched every kid play. You cover 99.9% of the 10th region all year long. You've seen every team, every player play in the region at least once. And to be honest with you, um, I've always put more stock in what we say than what the average person says because I see rankings out there, players and teams of people who have never seen a team or player play in the 10th region. Yeah, absolutely. And this is a – there's usually one or one one or two teams a year that I just – for some – Chance or another, I don't get to see play, but I can confidently say this year I, I got to see all 16 teams play in the 10th region. And, um, you know, it, it, it always doesn't work out that way. You know, obviously the last year with COVID and everything, it, it made it a little tougher maybe at times. But, um, you know, I can confidently say I, I saw every team and it was a, it was a great season. And, um, you know, as the season went along, I, I think we, we knew who was going to end up cutting the nets down at, ended up being Holmes High School and uh, you know that didn't really change but you know I think it's good to still talk about and there's definitely kids we still highlight and, and discuss and still made for some some great games throughout the season and in the region tournament. Well if you remember when we started talking about ranking teams um, 
I'd say, you know, several weeks ago, if you look who the final four teams in the region were, they were our top four teams. The only knock being Harrison County, and they just happened to draw Brighton County in the first round because that was kind of the two, you know, Mason, Clark was in one semifinal. Then we had Campbell and Bracken in another semifinal. So that's pretty well the top four teams that we've said most of the year. You know, once we started getting a good feel of these teams, now our preseason rankings may have changed a little bit, but once teams started playing and you realize how teams play and you realize the style that coaches one of their teams to play, we were pretty spot on with our rankings for the regional tournament. And, you know, let's get started. Um, Clark County, Mason County, um, I felt like all year long that if there's going to be any team in the 10th region that could make Clark work for a win, I thought it was Mason County, and I think Coach Kirk had the right game plan. He had to make some tough decisions to get to that game plan, but, you know, their game plan worked. They held Clark County to 57 points and was in a single-digit game for most of the game. So, I mean, his game plan worked, and I saw Coach Kirk uh, Saturday night – or, no, Friday night. I talked to him. I let him know I felt his game plan was spot on. Sometimes we as coaches, we like to uh, kind of get that feedback from other coaches. And, you know, Coach Kirk just with another phenomenal job at Mason County and giving his team the best chance to win against the state's number one ranked program. Yeah, I mean, if there's tape that any of the 16 co- or fi- other 15 coaches at Rupp this week can want to see that game plan, I, I wouldn't blame them one bit because that's – Honestly, one of the only ways I think you can defeat GRC this year is you got to slow the tempo down, have to eliminate all sort of transition points, and just pretty much don't even have to worry about offensive rebounding. So as soon as the shot goes up, have four go back and, and eliminate any sort of transition points. And I, I felt they did a great job of a, you know minimizing any sort of runs, um, making things grind out, deliberate, and just and just keep it going, and um, they're right in the game. I mean, it was a seven-point game with less than three minutes to play, and you know they were the closest team in the region. You know, when you factor in Clark, they won three games in the region tournament by 100 points. So, you know, any game that made them sweat, it was the Mason County game, and I, I thought the strategy was there. Thought uh, Casey Walton played a great game at the guard spot. Um, it was kind of the role of the facilitator a lot of the night ended up being their leading scorer in the contest. And, um, you know, just Clark, the way they defended is, it's just so impressive, you know, obviously scoring 85 points a game for them. It's five more than anybody in the state is very impressive, but I was more impressed with their defense this last week and just how they sat down and guarded in the half court and just completely eliminated options from certain teams. Um, and just how impressive that was, but, uh, you know, they won the rebounding battle in that game 30 to 11, I believe, uh, against Mason County. And, and again, I think that falls kind of back on the strategy that Mason was content on not grabbing offensive rebounds. They had like maybe three in the game, but Clark's efficiency on the offensive end ended up kind of, I think, being the, the, the big decider. It was 25 24 at halftime. And then uh, KG hit two layups to make it, I believe it's 31 28. And then uh, Clark closed on a 10 2 run from there to go into the fourth up up 11. And I think that was kind of your big segment of the game. Uh, the Royals battled back there in the fourth, forced a couple turnovers, got it down to seven, like I said. But then Tanner Walton was the was the X factor in that game. He gets a dagger three-pointer with about two and a half minutes to go. And Clark's moving on to the finals. So uh, a great season for Mason County. You know, they close out 24 and six. You know, over their last uh, 30, 
their 45 games, they went 38 and seven. When you go back to the year before, two of those losses to Clark, um, four others to teams that either made it to the state tournament or were kind of like in the region final or semifinal. So a very good season for them. Uh, they've got, uh, you know, I think four really good players coming back, which I think will make them a force. And um, definitely, I, I think they're a, a top five preseason 10th region team uh, as far as where they fall in that, in that range. I'm not quite sure, but um, digging in with everything, I, I'd say they're still a top five team, a very dangerous team going into next season. And, um, you know, I, I also want to wish farewell to, to Nate Mitchell and, and Mason Butler, two two very solid careers for those for those two men as Royals. Um, they were two of five seniors on the team, and um, they both bought in, bought into their roles. Um, and I, and I thought you know they did admirably. And um, other than that, I mean it was just a good season for them and got Clark into the final. And then you look at the other game. Another classic for for well, let, let me let me say a few things on that first because you yeah. you touched on a few things that um, when I talked to Coach Kirk, it's funny you said that because I think he told me at least six coaches in the state tournament have already reached out to him wanting the game film just to kind of see you know the preparation or kind of see the game plan that he put forth just to try to slow them down because they average 80 points a game of all the teams in the state tournament they lead the state in points per game and um to hold them to 57 you give yourself an opportunity secondly um you know you talked about Clark County's defense and it made me appreciate you know what Justin Becker did scoring 28 on them when I saw how tough they guarded Terrell Henry. And, you know, Terrell and Justin are two different styles of players. Terrell obviously had, you know, more players around him that could make plays where he didn't have to force some shots or maybe try to get his shots when he could hit open people. But um, it just makes me appreciate a little bit more when these guys score 28 against that defense because Terrell, in my opinion – you know, like I said, if they would have waited to after the district tournament vote, he had a really good chance to be the player of the year in the 10th region with how well he played in the district tournament. Um, and lastly, just to kind of, you know, go on with what you said about, you know, Mason and Nate. Um, I feel like Mason Butler is probably one player in the 10th who who maximizes his potential every night. He's a guy that doesn't have to really score to be a contributor on his team. His defensive effort night in, night out is just fun to watch and it kind of makes, you know, I can understand why guards are fatigued just, you know, from playing against Mason night in, night out. And, you know, Nate Mitchell had a pretty good regional tournament against Clark. I think he ended up with double figures, made some shots. And, you know, Nate's one guy that I think's improved a lot over his four years at Mason County. And that says a lot about Nate, his hard work, and also the coaching staff at Mason County and how well they developed their players. So, um, with that being said, I just wanted to comment on that because I remember the first thing Coach Kirk told me was a lot of the state tournament teams have reached out to him. Yeah, so you kind of hit the nail on the head there about, you know, and one one thing you said about the rebounding. Um, obviously, Mason County didn't go for offensive rebounds because, you know, they got rebounded 30-11. But also, you know, you mentioned how well Clark scores the basketball. One of the things he gives away by not going up with – he gives away offensive rebounding, but he also prevents transition scoring. And that's one way, you know, Clark reminds me of some of these college teams you watch. You let them get out in transition, and it's just brutal. They can score in so many ways. They share the ball extremely well. So, um, you know, I know Brian knows that he gave up offensive rebounding, 
but with their size differential, they probably weren't going to get many offensive rebounds anyhow. But they did, you know, limit the transition scoring of Clark County, and I think that also allowed them to keep the game close. So, now, let's go on to Campbell and Bracken, and I think you were about to say another classic, and, and I'll be honest with you, and I'll let you talk first on this one, but it reminded me of last year's game between Bracken and Campbell at the Fieldhouse. Yeah, in a way, I, I'd agree with that. I mean, you know, obviously with it both being overtime games, um, but this one I, I think Bracken, you know, didn't quite – stall as much maybe as they did um, the year before. The year before they were content with using minute minute 30 off the clock on certain possessions, letting Blake and Caden kind of dribble out top. But I think that also shows the maturity of those guys from their supporting cast. And Devontae Jefferson, I mean, that's, that's the name that really sticks out in that game. He had a career-high 22 points, was on the attack, hit a couple three-pointers. I believe he scored the first 12 points out of the half for them. You know, when they really needed it, they were down 10 at halftime, and um, he helped kind of bring them back. Um, they got within one there in the third, and I thought, you know, the old Bracken County kind of started to come in where technical started to mount up, emotions started getting boiled up, and not like they hadn't had times like this throughout the season, but it just kind of felt like things kind of slipped away again. But, you know, they get, they go into the fourth down four and regroup nicely. I mean, they, they opened up the fourth quarter with the 9-0 run, Took a five-point lead there in the fourth, but you know the Camels and their championship pedigree. You know they're going to come back, and they did it with some kind of names that maybe we're not familiar with. You know, it wasn't the Des Davy or Aiden Hamilton or Jake Gross. It was, you know, Garrett Seary and Nathan Smith hitting big buckets for them to get them, you know, back and eventually taking the lead on, um, you know, Casey Jackson or Garen Jackson. I'm sorry, Casey was his older brother. Um, Garen got a steal, um, converted on a layup in the last minute. And then the Polar Bears turn it over again uh, on the next possession. And you think they're dead in the water, down two. Campbell's shooting two free throws with, I believe, uh, I want to say nine seconds left. And, uh, you know, Garen Jackson hits one of two, hits the second. Polar Bears come down. I thought Blake Reed did an, a phenomenal job there of, of bringing the defense to him. There was two. And then I saw a third body even coming over to him. I believe it was Davey. And he kicks off to a wide open Caden Reed. And it was – when you look at the video and the replay, it was just beautiful how he stepped into that shot, kept his balance, went straight up, and just held it up there, and boom. You know, it was nothing but net. Got the game to overtime, and then, uh, you know, the Polar Bears persevered from there. You know, they got a, a putback from Deshaun Commodore in the closing seconds to win it. And, you know, I think it just speaks to their season of just how storybook it was. I mean, they, they, they were doing things that – hadn't been done since 1955. I mean, that's just how far they had gone. And uh, obviously they met their match in the championship to a, you know, superior Clark County team. But this is a season I think that goes down in the record books for Bracken County is, is one of probably the best ever um, maybe behind, you know, I don't know how the people in Brooksville do it. Do they still count those Brooksville teams as Bracken County, you know, or, or vice versa, but um, it, it's one of their best seasons ever. And I mean, literally the only thing I think they didn't do this year was beat Mason County in the district championship, everything else they accomplished pretty much. And, you know, what's, what's bright for them is they've got a, a really solid core guys coming back and they can build off this season. And I think the only difference next year is going to be, they're going to be expected to do all this. So that kind of maybe puts a little added pressure on you, but 
when you got Blake and Caden Reed, I don't believe there's a thing called pressure for those kids. They don't care. I mean, they're going to go out there and, and win games anyway. And, you know, I know Peyton Gilbert will be a big loss for them. And Grant Free came in off the bench and contributed some, some minutes for them. But uh, they're going to be strong next year. I mean, they, they return quite a bit and get everybody else pretty much back. And I, I think, you know, you got to put them preseason top two or three right now based off what's back and and um when you add chase archibald too because that's just adding another perimeter threat to their team and i think he'll need to he's gonna have to learn to you know step it up on the defensive end because if you want to play for 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 adam and, and and this speaks for a lot of coaches don't get me wrong but that defense is gonna have to improve on his end which which i think it will you know they're they're you know it's it's contagious you know at times when other kids are bought in on that end, you know, other, others are going to be as well. So you add that perimeter threat for them and, you know, Bracken's a dangerous team, but I, I thought, uh, you know, it was a great game. They ended up out rebounding Campbell County in that game, which to me is surprising when you consider, I believe the Camels out rebounded them 41 to 24 in the first time around when Bracken won by two in Brooksville. And, you know, here they go. They win by two again, this time at homes. And just, it was a classic game. And, uh, you know, the Camels, whew, man, where do you start with them? Because their whole starting five's back next year as well. So those are going to be two of your top three teams, I think, next year in the 10th, and rightfully so with considering what's back. And I, I thought it was a great game. I mean, you were there with me. You know, you sat right beside me. What was maybe your one thing that kind of stuck out that got Bracken the victory, you think? I think the one thing that kind of, you know, the thing I kept thinking about was, you know, if you saw the look on Caden's face when he got the ball stolen by Jackson that led to the layup, then the turnover and foul on Jackson, he made one of two, you know, and there was a timeout. You see, you know, Caden kind of walking to the bench. He was immediately met by Coach Brangers, which I know what he's telling him. Hey, this game's not over. Keep your head. You know, if you would have saw Caden's facial expression, you would have thought that he was he was done. You know, he looked dejected. He looked down. You could see that look of to where these last two possessions have cost us a chance to play in the regional finals. And then just to have kind of the moxie, the, you know, the mindset. And I've told you since day one, I've told everybody that listens, that's the mindset that Adam's kind of instilled in his team from day one. You know, the never quit, the never say die attitude. And you kind of talked about it, Blake, who is their best player, the one of the most dynamic scorers in the region, shares the ball in a crunch time situation, although I'm not so sure he would have been able to get a shot up with those three people hanging on him. But he finds Caden in transition. He steps into it and knocks it down. And then, you know, Caden plays well in the overtime, kind of, you know, just the, that quick, I guess, 30 seconds of action there kind of sticks out in my mind how – if Caden allows that to affect, affect him, he doesn't make that shot. You know, he looks dejected, but he still comes back and still knocks down that three to send it to overtime. But the one thing I, I kind of remember is, too, is I think um, I think Campbell County was actually trying to foul Blake Reed over there on the wing. It looked to me like there was an awful lot um, – contact, reaching, doing whatever they could to try to maybe put Blake on the line where they don't get that three-point shot off. I think they felt comfortable enough in Hamilton and Davey that they could get a rebound on a miss. But um, referees, you know, let it play. Um, it played out like it does. And then Bracken County finishes off in overtime with the uh, Jashad Commodore, you know, put back. But it seems like to me 
that the part of Brighton County that's impressed me the most is how well their role players have improved all year long. They've always been contributors, but now Devontae Jefferson in a regional semi scoring 22. You know, Blake and Caden get that kind of help from him every night, and I'm not so sure they lose, you know. But they've brought back an exciting brand of basketball to Bracken County. They play fast. They play hard. They don't quit. And I can understand why the people in Brooksville are excited for the next few years because um, just watching it over there kind of gives you, you know, goosebumps that, you know, like you said, they're, they out-rebound Campbell County, although Campbell County was bigger probably every position. So um, hats off to Bracken County and, you know, making a regional finals. And I'd like to thank, like you said, and that was going to be the point I touched on that you got. Next year they're going to be expected to do it, and it's a whole other animal when you can fly under the radar than when you're expected. But, well, you know. And that, you know, I, and I'll, I'll point to you guys. You know, when Robertson County, when you guys won the All-A in, what was it, 2017? When you guys 18. won it? 2018, my bad. It was January 2018, the 2017-2018 season. You know, the, the next two years, it, it, those expectations are there. Like, oh, they're, they're supposed to win it. But, you know, came up short to Brossert, and you guys did get redemption, you know, the, those guys' senior years. But I think that just shows – and that was, you know, just, you know, the All-A too, you know. And then you, you look at district as well. And, you know, it's just when those expectations are there, it, it makes it tougher on these kids. And, you know, they're 15, 16, 17-year-old kids. And that type of pressure, it's in the back of your mind sometimes too. So It, it is. and But I agree with what you said. Um Blake and Caden probably, you know, and I think the people that feel the most pressure are generally the ones who aren't as confident in their skill set. I don't think Blake and Caden know what pressure are. They're confident. They're very skilled players, and they've been raised in a way to go out and fight and compete for everything you get. And um, I, I'm looking forward to next year as far as them go because I think the only monkey they need to get off their back is to win a district tournament. Um, and I think next year they'll have a legit opportunity to do that. But, you know, they um, the finals, i tell you what, the best thing that happened for the 10th region was Bracken County making the finals. Although Campbell County brought a good crowd every night, but there's nothing like the Bracken County fan base. Uh, the only other fan base a lot like it would probably be Augusta or if Robertson County made the um, – finals of a regional tournament because the small schools seem to travel. And I read a few comments on Twitter afterwards about how well the small schools travel to support their teams is a lot different than how some of the larger schools travel to support their teams. And, you know, and I get it. I'd say with Clark County, they probably felt like they were the odds on favorite, heavy favorite. They weren't going to make that trip to Holmes three nights in a row or whatever. They probably showed out the night against Mason because they probably felt like that was their biggest challenge. And, you know, there wasn't many there against Robertson. And I didn't feel like Clark had the greatest crowd against Bracken. I felt like, you know, I could have showed up at any point in time that game and got any seat I wanted. But, you know, I think the best thing that happened for the region was for Bracken County to make it because I think it made attendance a lot better. Yeah, and I'll, I mean, I'll give Basin County a shout-out, too. I thought they did a nice job filling their section as well. I agree. Even in the first game against Brossard, I mean, they had their side pretty much, you know, nearly filled. And back to the point, like you said, the smaller schools, heck, I mean, Bracken had a bigger student section than Clark did in that championship game. Now, I get it. It's a little bit further of a drive, but they had a pet bus come up for it, and Bracken still had a, a bigger student section than Clark. And, I mean – Obviously, it matters who wins on the court, and that's, you know, at the end of the day. But I, I agree with you. I, I think they did a nice job. And, 
you know, back their team and the community and everybody came out in support. And, you know, with that championship game, it was 13-0 on the start. And, and you just felt from there, it's, it was this huge uphill battle. Bracken did a nice job of kind of gaining their bearings from there, went into the second down 17-10. So they ended on a 10-4 run after that. And still kind of kept it somewhat close in striking distance by halftime. They were down, I, I believe it was 12. You know, Blake so, wasn't it like 30, I think it was 33 23 at the half. Was it 10 points? Okay. I thought it might have been 33 20, but uh, you're, you're probably right there. 33 18. And then Blake scores 10, five straight out of the half. Is that, I think that's when it got to 33 23. And it, it, for, for the second and third quarter, Blake scored, I believe uh, it was. 17 of their 19 points combined um, in those two quarters. He, he, and he was, you know, the, the legit only offensive threat that evening. Um, and I, I talked to Coach Reed after the game. He, he thought a few guys kind of maybe deferred a little bit too early in possessions and kind of, you know, passed things off when they could have attacked and just maybe weren't in an attack mode. And, you know, the narrative coming in was what, what were they going to have left after two straight overtime games – now, they weren't back-to-back nights the, the, between the quarterfinal and semifinal. They had a couple-night break. But you go into Monday night, double overtime game. They probably didn't get back, you know, home until close to midnight that night, feeling great about themselves. First region final since 1955. Then, boom, 13-zip right out the gate. And, I mean, Clark was throwing robs. They were grabbing rebounds, making things tough on, on everybody. And, you know, I – and, you know, again, talking about Coach Reed and what he said after the game is this is that game where you look back in the offseason and this is where we have to get stronger. We have to be able to play against that type of contact. We have to be able to fight through the, the contact that was in that game and be able to finish and not lose the ball or, you know, get your shot blocked or turn it over, you know. So that 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 game was kind of a measuring stick point, I think, for them and one they'll refer to a lot in the offseason. But you know, Clark flexed their muscles. I thought Sam Parrish was excellent in that game. His motor was just nonstop from the get-go. And, you know, while Walton was the X factor in the semifinals, I thought Parrish was the difference maker in the finals. And then you got Jerome Morton doing his thing, you know, hitting threes left and right. And just such a dangerous team, one through five. And then they brought in Rashawn Hampton off the bench, who scored 12 points. And Stanley Smothers had a couple blocks and Sammy Hernandez was even in there on a few possessions guarding Blake Reed. So just their depth wore down on Bracken who I don't know, you know, what they had left in the tank, but you, you could just tell from the get go, you know, who was winning that game that evening. Well, and you know, you touched on it, but you know, it's hard for me to believe that Sam Parrish wasn't on the all tournament team, but I know you can't put everybody on the all tournament team, but I just feel like the energy he brings just, you know, the finals, I felt like, like you said, I felt like he was a difference maker on both ends of the floor. But what makes Clark so effective in the half court is they can switch everything. I think at some point in time, I saw Trent Edwards guarding Caden Reed. Um, you know, Jerome's quickness and his length can give Blake fits on his jump shot. You know, Sam and Aiden Sloan are capable of guarding you, you know, 94 feet and making it rough on you and, they just speed you up so much that even when you do get an open look, it almost feels like a contested look because you have to rush it just because you know the defense is coming. And um, But, yeah, you know, the 13-0 run kind of to start the game 
we knew from that point on what was going to happen. I give Bracken County and Coach Reed credit. They hung around, like you said, for a while after weathering the storm, and they were able to get it back, I think, to 10, and I think I was as close as they got. But, um, you know, Coach Reed said something that a lot of us coaches say. You know, people used to ask me when I was at Robertson, why do you schedule Montgomery? Why do you schedule Clark? Why do you schedule Campbell? Well, I want my boys to see this is the level of play it takes if you want to win a regional championship. You've got to get to this level. And we were fortunate enough to beat Montgomery County two years in a row. Um, We played with Clark through three and a half quarters. And, you know, Campbell County, we played to 20 points without Justin and Sebastian, our two leading scorers. So I feel like those teams made us better. But, you know, when you say measuring stick, Coach Reed's going to take this game here, and he's going to constantly remind his guys that that's the level of play that all five of those guys need to get to on the floor if they want to make it back to a regional final. Um, You know, it's easy for us to sit here and say, oh, they return everybody in their lineup, but Peyton Gawley or Peyton Peyton Gilvin or Tolly, whatever you want to call him. I know him Peyton Gilvin. Um, But, you know, everybody's going to have to get to pick their game up this week, this summer to where they can get to that level. It may be unfair for us to even say that it's possible for some of those guys on Bracken or, you know, Brossard or, you know, even some guys on Mason that can get to the level. Some of these guys from Clark, but playing those types of games gives you an idea of what it takes to play championship basketball. And um, I think we talked about it the first week we did the regional tournament, um, you was going to have to have a A++++ game, and Clark was going to have to have an F-minus game just to be in the game. And Clark played well. There are three games with the regional tournament. Hats off to Coach Cook and his Cardinals, and best of luck to them this coming week at Rupp. But the one thing that I, I kind of admire Adam for, but then again, I also wonder why he did it was I felt like, you know, he, he came into that game. And granted, you don't have time to practice from the semis to the finals. You know, you don't have that day of practice. You you go in and the best team wins. Um, but um, I felt like he wanted to play his style from the start. They like to run, get up and down the floor. And I felt like I saw Coach Reed telling him on defensive rebounds or even after made Clark baskets, you know, let's go, push, push. Um, I think when he looks back on it, I think he's probably going to make those adjustments to where that probably doesn't happen again. But um, – he went in with the mindset that this is a style of basketball we play. This is what's got us here. This is what's made us successful. This is what we're going to do. And you got to admire a coach when they do that. Yeah. I mean, he didn't back away from his guns, that's for sure. But I don't know if that was the way to approach it, you know, based off what we saw in the three games there. But it's all based off, I think, you know, personnel and what you feel most confident with going in and, I just don't think Clark's a team you can run with outside of maybe the top four or five other teams in the state. Now, if we're talking Louisville Mail or Warren Central, yeah, they got the horses to do it. But you, you know, know but what I'm saying though is, you know, when you don't have that practice day before, it may be hard to switch up and say, okay, right. tonight we're going to hold the ball for two minutes this possession. It's, but it's not like last year when they had that week or four days of prep time going into facing Campbell County. This is how we're going to do it, guys. And that's that's a good point where, you know, Mason County had four days. They had Thursday through Sunday to prep for Clark and do that. So, I mean, that's that's a good point, you know, pointing to that. Well, um, with that being said. Um, Tenth region wrap-up. 
let's talk about what the 10th region has to look forward to next year. And I mean, and granted, there's going to be a lot of stuff that happens this summer that's going to put the 10th region in a swirl. There's going to be coaching changes, I'm sure. There's going to be transfers, I'm sure. There's going to be transfers in, transfers out. It's just, it's going to be the wild, wild west. And I don't know if the KHSAA is going to pass this one-time transfer, but if they do, it'll be the wild, wild west times 10. It'll probably be more chaotic than you see the uh, college basketball transfer portal who had like 15 to 1800 players in it this year. So um, here's my question as is right now, let's say Clark loses Sloan and Walton, but they have Edwards, Morton and Parrish back. Are they still the preseason number one based off what everyone else is returning, not considering any transfers or coaching changes? Are you still putting them at number one? I'm the type that um, you're number one until somebody beats you. Um, this will be their third straight regional championship. Um, I think the only team that you can consider at this point in time would be somebody like a Campbell who returns all five starters. And if you remember this Campbell team, you know, two years or last year, same Campbell team last year with the addition of a couple that have graduated, got beat on the last second shot by Clark County. So, um, so, so GRC won Campbell two. <laughs> But it's hard. But see, then again, it's hard to put Campbell over Bracken. Bracken's they, owned them. They beat them twice. Yeah. Bracken beat them twice head to head. Now I will say this: Bracken County, they're late in the year. They weren't even starting Peyton, so you could say that they return all five starters too. Yeah. Um, no, they, they. They. You're right. They didn't start Peyton for majority of the season. So when you go with Norton, Blake, Caden, uh, Devonte, and Jashad, they return all five, as does. Campbell County and Bracken County's beat them head to head twice, but Mason County's beat Bracken and Mason County loses, you know, one, they're going to have to replace Nate Mitchell scoring. Um, that's not easy to do. Um, man, I don't know. They, I would they say, return four of their top six, and I think Braylon Hamilton can step into the role where Nate did and, and, and do pretty well. I'm not saying he can implement it or, or duplicate it or whatever, but. Man, that kid really impressed me as the stretch went on. And I thought KG Walton rose to the occasion in the postseason, too. So you factor those two along with Terrell. And then and I know, can see Brian using Julius Booker a little bit more next year to kind of do what Nathan Butler did. He's a senior. Oh, Julius was? Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, but, you know, it, it doesn't need to be overlooked of – what Mason Butler's role in that team was. And, you know, and I know Brian well enough to know that he's going to find somebody. Um, I don't ever question Brian Kirk. Like I've said multiple times, I feel like he's the uh, best coach in the region. So, so those um, are your top four teams. I think that's clear cut, right? I would go Mason one, or I'm sorry, Clark one, then Mason, Bracken, Campbell is two, A, B, and C. <laughs> Uh, you can you can say I'm riding the fence. You can call it what you want, but it's like I don't know because I mean I feel like Campbell County with the size, the the scoring, the guard play they have returning, they could be two. But Brackens just beat that team. I don't know, man. I I guess if I had to go, I would honestly go Clark. Bracken, Campbell, Mason. 
But then again, it's hard to put Bracken ahead of Mason because Mason's beat him 32 straight times. And there's still a guy named Terrell Henry on the floor. Right. So I'm going I'm, – hey, scratch everything I just said. I'm going back to Clark County one, then a tie for second. I'm going to ride the fence fair. on this one. I think that's fair. and it, it, you, you won't get much of an argument out of me because, like like you said, two through four right there, you have an argument to put each and every one of them at number two. Uh, I'm a big fan of, like, continuity and who returns so, to where, you know, I mean, Campbell and Bracken return more than what Mason does. Mason returns, I guess, you know, four of their top seven. So they do lose three key pieces and Nate. Um, Mason and, and Booker. Um, but then my next question, and we can kind of wrap up the 10th here, uh, who would be knocking on the door then? I mean, I, I think Harrison County is a, a prime candidate, but they do lose Richard Harris. Uh, they lose Clay Carpenter and Blaine Biddle. So that's three pieces they lose. But they do return, you know, some big pieces in Caden Custard and Braylon Hinton and, you know, Will Furnish and, you know, a couple other role players. I think Augusta will still kind of be in the mix, but losing Case and Henson is going to be a big loss to them for how much he did for that program and team. And and yeah. I'll be the first to say it. Maybe I'm wrong here, but, you know, losing Case is going to hurt on so many levels, but it's not just, you know, but I think anytime you lose your point guard and you got to find somebody to fill that role. Now, I think some they got some other guys that can step in and kind of, you know, pick up some of the scoring that Kaysen did. Um, they're going to need somebody to rebound. Kaysen was a very good rebounding guard. But who are they going to have that can, you know, handle the ball? And I know Connor Snap played some point this year, but um, I'm not so sure that's if they're wanting Connor to be a point long term. Um, I, I think they're LJ going to miss Case. Huh? LJ Connor's got to be your top candidate there. I mean. LJ Connor. And, you know, the only thing I don't like, I don't like LJ at the point because I think it may take away from shots. He's, I think, he's so good off a pick to like shoot a three, but he can. I've seen him score off the dribble too, but maybe that's at the wing position where he's not having to bring it up and set something up and then get the ball back in his hands, you know. But right, and LJ and LJ's definitely one of the people who can definitely pick up the scoring. I think Kyle and Henson, with the way he finished, he can pick up his scoring for the whole season. Um, I definitely think Harrison County, like you mentioned, Augusta. But then I would probably say the next one would be Montgomery County. Um, if they stick, you know, Montgomery County has a history of going through coaches, and um, I hope they give Coach Bentley a chance. I feel like that team improved as the season went along. I know they had a rough loss in the first round of the district to Paris after being up 19, but I have a lot of faith in Coach Bentley. I think he's a great X's and O's coach. Um I think with the way they improved and how they have a lot of their players returning and Luke Fonz is only going to get better being a freshman next year. I'd say Montgomery is another one of those teams that you might see that cracks up there near the top five. I'll add another one too in Brossard because they're only, they only lose David Govan and it's obviously a big loss. He was their guy in the paint, their go-to guy to turn to, but they, they have a huge junior class that's back, and they didn't even have one of their best players available this season. Um, Burst, he, he broke, Burst. Yeah, he, he broke his uh, – I want to say his elbow or something during football, and or it, it might have been the knee. I don't want to speculate on injuries, but he didn't play this year. And uh, from what I understand, he's a heck of a baseball player too and is out this season as well. So. Well, and one thing I'll say is, uh, um, you know, 
Brossert's a very good call. It's a team I hadn't thought about. Schumacher can fill the interior void that's going to be left by Govan. I was impressed with him this year. But I just – Robbie Versus had some bad luck, man. I don't know if that kid's played a full season of basketball since he's been in high school yet. Um, and I know Coach Mike Code as well as Coach Scott Code both have talked about him and how talented he is. So hopefully next year we get an opportunity to just see just how talented he is. We know how good his brother Steven was and what all he meant to Bishop Brossard. So hopefully Robbie can stay healthy for a season. And I think adding him to that large junior class, I think you're right. I think they're also going to be, you know, a team that you can put up there near the near the top five. Yeah. So, I mean, we named those four, and then I think we got four knocking at the door. And, and I mean, I'll be honest this year. I don't think the 10th was as strong as it had been in prior years. I mean, yeah. I thought Not those from top teams, to bottom. I thought those four teams in the semis Monday were, were solid basketball teams, and you put those four in other regions, they're going to be at the top of, of that region as well. But after that, man, outside of maybe, you know, Harrison or in Augusta, I just thought it got really dicey. And I think that's kind of what you got in the first round with so many lopsided games. I mean, three of those games were 20-point games. So I just thought from, like, five through the bottom, on any given night, you just didn't know who was going to beat who. And I thought that was a case of a lot of those teams just bordering on mediocre and the talent level being kind of even there. Now, next year – I think the eight teams that we named, that would make a, a great regional tournament. you know. Uh, right, but I'll tell you one that I feel like's knocking on the door is Nicholas County. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, but here's the thing. Overall next year, I feel like the 38th is going, I feel like the 38th is going to be down again. I feel like Harrison County is going to be the obvious one. So I've already told uh, Coach Ellsburn and I've told Coach Wrights, you all better be figuring out a way how to beat each other. I think Robertson's obviously going to be the four next year. Um, they're going to be down in numbers of Robertson, losing Justin Becker, Carson Gay, Josh Plosky, Brady Boyd. Um, they're going to be hard-pressed to find numbers. But um, it'll be between Pendleton and Nicholas, you know, kind of playing each other to see who gets that second berth out of that district for the regional tournament. And and I like the growth that John Michael's team's done over the last few years. And I feel like uh, with uh, Preston Blake and the hat, the Hatfield or Hatton, sorry, the Hatton kid that was a seventh grader and mixed them with some of their older pieces. I, I feel like Nicholas County is one. I don't know if they can get to top five next year, but I definitely go see some growth uh, and I'll probably put them in my preseason top 10. I think it's fair to label them as a dark horse, like a, a Bracken County this year. They went from preseason number 11 in the media poll and finished basically third. So I maybe they're that I team that makes that jump. But also I think Paris can make that jump too with Ashford and Ransom back. And I think that region tournament appearance probably helps them. Now, you know, I think that also factors in, you know, George Baker coming back as well and, and whatnot. And that's another thing you got to factor in is, you know, coaching changes and, and who might, go one way or another. So, but I think that's fair to, to label Nicholas as, as a dark horse and maybe, you know, you put them 10th in the region and they're a team that can improve as the year goes on. And, you know, I think coach Wrights and them are due for some success. I definitely would like to see him get a chance to be in the regional tournament. I think it was 2013, the last time Nicholas County made a regional tournament. So, um, but with that being said, I want to clarify that the stay hot podcast had Bracken County at preseason seventh in the region. Uh, not 11th by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, I will say this. Even even at 7th, I felt like what they did this year exceeded my expectations. So, um, And once again, like you said, just a very special season 
and Brooksville. But with that being said, let's uh, move on to the Sweet 16. And it's just an exciting time. I used to go down and spend a lot of money and time that whole week there in Lexington. It was, it was you know, without said, every Wednesday was uh, all-you-can-eat wings at Hooters. Um, used to uh, – that was uh, in our schedule every Wednesday, so we had to make sure we got out of that late session fairly early so we could get to Hooters to get all-you-can-eat wings. But uh, um, I miss going, but also think with the streaming aspect of it, it's made me sitting at home watching a lot a lot easier, but, um, how do you want to do this? Do you want to, you know, obviously do you you want to go game by game or you just want to say, you know, in the top half, the bottom half, let's do the final, let's do the final four who we feel like. And if there's something you want to add, whatever, but you know, I went through each team and I looked up their RPIs and you know, the top eight RPIs play each other. Outside of maybe, I don't, is Perry County central top eight. Perry County Central had a seven RPI. Okay. Now I don't. Maybe I looked at these before they were updated, but yes, I mean they they had a seven. They were point six six nine. You got to remember that RPI is based a lot on wins, and they had twenty nine wins. Yeah, that RPI gets funky sometimes. So I mean that, that that could be true. It's just it's hard for me to base a lot of my maybe data or whatever not based off of that. RPI, but I get well. Well, the one thing, but the one thing too is our eye test doesn't lie. We both saw Perry County Central play, and although I was really impressed with Ridge Beverly at the point, and they had another nice player as well, I just it's hard for me to believe that their top seven team in the state definitely at the state tournament. So, but you know, there's only one team. That had the um, RPI in the seventies, and that was Pikeville. They had the largest, they had the highest RPI, and um, or you know they go against North Laurel, who had the third highest RPI. So Clark County was second. But you know, how do you want to do this? Um, you know, I think prefacing the Sweet Sixteen. You know, it's this this tournament really excites me, man. There's some really powerful programs in this thing, and there's some high-level Division One players in this thing, and there's some fun offenses. There's some different types of styles in this thing, and I'm really looking forward to it. You know, Wednesday through Saturday, it gets started Wednesday at 11 a.m., and, you know, they went back to the old formula last year to playing the semis on Saturday and then the championship game Saturday night. We can discuss that a little bit, too, and I don't know if we necessarily have to break down each matchup. We can maybe kind of just pick – you know, on certain ones, because let's be honest, man, I don't think many of our li- listeners really care what we have to say about like Lincoln County or Muhlenberg County, but. Right. Um, but I mean, we pick and, and touch on it and maybe give a stat out about each one and, and, and why we picked that. Well, and, you know, I planned on sharing this with, you know, hashtag maybe KHSAA. So maybe some of those schools can, you know, listen if they want, but, you know, we could be here to, ele- we could be here till 11 o'clock if we wanted to break down every game and, Right, right. You know that, but um, I just um, I just feel like that what you just said is 100% true, and this is probably one year that I regret not going because just I feel like it's a strong field. And um, the amount of high-level teams and players, you know, like, for example, um, Travis Perry. I haven't got the chance to see that kid play, and I really want to, so that's probably a game that I'll be streaming. Hopefully my superintendent doesn't listen to this and catch me streaming at work. Um, if you do listen, 
boss. Just don't come in the room at one thirty on Thursday. Um, but um, it's I, I got a feel. I got a feeling, and maybe I'm wrong here, but this is probably one of the strongest fields that the Sweet Sixteens had from top to bottom. And I'll tell you how strong it is based on the RPIs that I saw. Henry Cla- Henry Clay was ranked thirteenth in RPI. They beat Lexington Catholic, a top ten team in the state, in the first round of the regional tournament. So that gives you an idea of just how strong the, this field is. But um, and the firepower, man, you got you got five of the top eight scoring teams in the state in this thing, including the top four in the state, led by Clark County. They're averaging eighty four a game. You go second, Lyon County averaging seventy nine point nine, North Laurel at seventy nine point zero. Male at 78.1, and I think Ashland's eighth at like 76 point something. So a lot of firepower should create uh, a lot of really maybe high-scoring games. But And that's another thing, though. When you get to Rupp, it, it's different. Games aren't as high-scoring. They really aren't because you've got those backdrops and you're, you're shooting lines and your eyesight. Obviously, if you can shoot the basketball, you can shoot the ball. But sometimes it does take maybe a game or so to adjust. Now – I'll counterpoint that with Highlands last year. They went in there and shot the lights out of the thing. So, you know, I, I just think it's it's, it's going to be fun to create some some big matchups and, you know, it gets going Wednesday. So you, you said you wanted to kind of pick each one and we'll go from there? Well, I mean, if you want to, you can. But I was just saying that, I mean, if you look at the, you know, the first two games on Wednesday, you got J-Town against Lincoln County, Muhlenberg County against North Oldham. Um, those four schools right there, are four of the lowest RPIs. You know, Lincoln County is the highest of those four with a nine. But, um, you know, the what I was thinking was, if you want to go through each individual game and pick a winner, we can. Or if you just want to pick, you know, the pods. Like, who comes out of that four pod to make the final four? Okay. Yeah, that's that sounds good. I'll I'll, I'll start then, just to kind of get us get us rolling. Um, I've got uh, I've got J Town over Lincoln County. Just think the sixth region. You, you know, usually you really athletic teams. They're making their first trip since 2006. That's also when they won the state title that year. Um, when they were actually in the seventh region, and Lincoln County, they're a really good defensive team. They're only giving up 48.9 a game. That's seventh in the state. Just don't think their athleticism is gonna be able to match what Jefferson Town can do in this game. So I'm going them. And then uh, Muhlenberg County, um, you know, they're they're one of the, uh, I think, only four teams in this thing making a repeat trip. So I don't think the the, the lights of Rupp will will get to them. But I like this North Oldham team, you know, with Jackson Levitt. She used to play at UofL. Um, they, his name on Twitter now is the horse capper because he handicaps horses and does a real good job with it. I've taken a few of his advice before. And uh, they got a nice trio in Dallas Roberts, Luke Anderson, and Jack Scales. So I, I like that team. So uh, I'll have J-Town versus North Oldham. And then I've got uh, J-Town coming out on top. I thought the sixth region was a very competitive region this year. They made it out, and I think they're going to be battle-tested and ready. And then we're going to see them um, moving on to, uh, looks like, you know, Saturdays. Uh, or let's see, they'll, they'll win, then they'll go on to the semifinals. That's, that's, my, that's my, one of my final four picks in, in that top pod. Well, um, I went with Lincoln County in the first game over J-Town because of uh, they have a real balanced offense. They got four guys that score in double figures. They also – the thing that impressed me was the fact that they hold teams under 50. That may – I don't know if that's their defense or maybe it's their style of play. But they beat Pulaski County, who is 30-3, and three, 
in the regional finals. And I just feel like that gives them a little bit of momentum. Um, the one thing that did scare me is what you talked about was J-Town's athleticism and playing in a very hard six region. But I'm going to go with Lincoln County in that game. Second round game, I'm also going with North Oldham. Um, the one thing about North Oldham or about these two teams in general, neither one of these two teams were the favorite to win their region. Um, Muhlenberg County had the third best RPI in their region. North Oldham had the sixth best RPI in the eighth region. But North Oldham beat um, the three top RPIs to get there in Collins, uh, Walton, Verona, and Woodford County. But the part that North Oldham that I really like is Dallas Roberts. That kid's a phenomenal basketball player, and uh, I just think he's going to uh, give his team the edge there. And I'm going with Lincoln County in the final four. I look for Lincoln County to beat North Oldham. I know a lot of basketball bennies on Twitter have picked North Oldham to be in the final four there. Um, they play a very tough eighth region as well, but I'm going Lincoln County in the final four from that pod. All right, we already got some difference going on. Um, well, my record isn't very good. My record ain't very good when me and you are different, so – Hey, three in a row, baby. <laughs> so if you're a J-Town fan, you ought to be standing up chest butt in the air right now. Another factor in that, and I'll, I'll wrap up that pod, is this is North Oldham's first ever trip to Rupp. So that could play a factor. Um, you know, that, that, that school originated in 2003. So, you know, first ever trip. Maybe the, the lights get a little too bright sometimes when that happens. So, but and, and then also with Muhlenberg making a return trip. So that, that's a factor I think that could play in. But, heck, I still picked North Oldham. And then, you know, you went Lincoln County. And then uh, I went J-Town there. So that's 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 a, that's going to be a good striking point. And then um, the next pod, you got Perry County Central versus George Rogers Clark. And then you got North Laurel versus Pikeville. All these games are on Wednesday. Um, these are the – this is the evening session with uh, Perry County Central and Clark at 6. And then North Laurel and Pikeville, which I think a lot of people are going to want to tune into at 8.30. Um, the 6 o'clock game, I'll make it easy. I mean, I'm going with the number one team in the state. And I, I think they do it pretty handily. Um, I saw Perry County Central play three games at the Mason County Invitational Tournament. thought Mason County's ball pressure gave them a lot of trouble in, in the first game that they lost. But they rebounded nicely and, and won the next two games in that tournament. And like you said, have a very impressive record. But – I just think the firepower that, that GRC has is just way too much in that game. Like we had mentioned, they lead the state in scoring. They also defend really well. I think I think the Commodore is going to struggle to score against them because they rely a lot on scoring in the paint from what I from what I recognize. And they do have a couple of nice guards, but I just don't think they're the caliber of what Clark is. And then you go to North Laurel Pikeville, man, I mean, I, I think you're going to get 10,000 people um, in Rupp that game at least. That's going to be my guess because it's a it's it's not a tournament. That's not an NCAA tournament night. It's a Wednesday night. It's at 830 p.m. So everyone can get there. The weather's apparently supposed to be pretty good this week. So we don't have to worry about any snow concerns. Knock on wood. And this is going to be one you want to watch because these teams are really, really good. I saw Pikeville in person. I saw North Laurel on prep spin a few times. And where do you start? I mean, just with the star power in this game, you know, with Reed Shepard, obviously, North Laurel, you know, he's he's just – he does it all for them. I think I saw in the region championship where they scored 25 baskets and he has scored or assisted on 21 of them. So his factor in, in games is just so big. And he's going to have the crowd behind him because obviously he's a U.K. commit. He still has one more year of high school after this. But I'm just excited to be able to see him in person. I think they got a nice 
duo behind him with Ryan Davidson and Clay Sizemore. Sizemore can light it up from three. He's at 103 pointers this year. And they score the ball at a high clip with 79 a game. Then you go on to Pikeville, who's a physical basketball team, and they defend you, man. They they are a very good defensive team. They're led by Elijah Justice, who, you know, led Shelby Vow to a state title in 2010. And now he's their head coach. Nick Robinson's a very impressive player down in the post. Riley Sammons is a good player. Uh, they defend, like I said, they defend really well. They're only giving up 50 points a game. I'm picking Pikeville here. I, I just think from top to bottom, they're a more complete team. And don't get me wrong, Reed Shepard can change a lot of games, but I just think Pikeville's depth and their size is just going to be too much in this one. So I'm picking Pikeville versus GRC, which is going to be a great quarterfinal game. That'll be on Friday at 1.30, and then I'm going to pick uh, GRC to move on to the semifinals to face J-Town in my bracket. I just think Clark can match the size that Pikeville has. Uh, both teams have really scrappy guards, but I just like Clark's a little bit better. Well, I really thought we was going to have another difference there. The way you were building up North Laurel, I thought you were going to go with North Laurel. Um, George Rogers Clark, obviously, I, I feel like they're just overall better and probably better at most positions than Perry County Central. And that's not a knock to Landon Napier or Ridge Beverly, two nice players for the Commodores. But I also saw Perry County Central play Mason County, and I felt like um, just Mason County's pressure and which, you know, Mason County brings ball pressure, too. I felt like Perry County Central struggled, like you said, but I feel like Clark County brings that pressure at all five positions for the whole game. And and I feel like that pressure is going to create a lot of transition opportunities for Clark. And one stat that I think just totally amazes me about Clark County is their average margin of victory this year was 31.8 points per game. And they played a tough schedule. Now, granted, you know, beating the likes of Robertson in the region by 50 and some of the other teams in their district by 50. I know that inflates that number, but still 31.8 points per game average, average margin of victory. And and I'll be honest with you, Perry County Central, I don't feel like was tested very well in the region. They had to go through Powell, Breathitt, and Estill. Breathitt was the only really challenge they faced. Um, and for a 29 and four team, I know they're probably solid, but they just don't have what it takes. I'm going GRC there. And I'm also going Pikeville in the uh, second matchup. Um, Reed Shepard is do everything. He does have somebody in ride Davidson that can help him in scoring. And, you know, the one thing about Clay Sizemore, Clay Sizemore hit over a hundred threes this year. So he knows his role. He does his role, but you know, I really feel like that outside of those three, I feel like they struggle to have anybody that can really help contribute offensively. Um, Pike feels more balanced offensively. They have four guys in double figures. Riley Sammons is six foot seven, plays out on the perimeter, plays inside, scores 15 plus a game. Um, their defense only gives up 50 points per game, which I look for North Laurel probably to get more than 50, but I look for Pikeville to win this game. And I'm also going with GRC over Pikeville. But I think that could be a very anticipated matchup on Friday at 1.30. I really think uh, Pikeville's going to be a team that can um, hang around and stay in it. They got some size. Their guards are tenacious. Um, I remember watching Lathan Hall at the field house, and I was really impressed with that kid and how hard he plays. And um, I just feel like GRC's got too many weapons offensively. So I got Lincoln County and GRC in that Final Four bracket. Well, our only difference so far is uh, J-Town and Lincoln County. So, 
it's, I guess, two games that are different because you got, you know, them in the final four and I got the other one. Um, do you want to go? Bottom. Do you want to go by time or do you want to go in order of where they're listed? Because actually, the first game on that Thursday is Warren Central Mail, which puzzles me. Like, yeah, I don't understand this. Why would you put the the marquee game of the first round or one of the marquee games? And, and but then like it's weird though because the top half of the bracket you got a one thirty game with Lyon County and John Harden, and then the next team doesn't play till eight thirty. So you want to talk about gamesmanship and and whatnot? I mean, the team playing at one thirty is going to have an advantage there because they won't have to play till six the next day. Where the team playing at eight thirty is going to have to turn around and play at six the, the next. I, mean, I don't know. It just doesn't make much sense to me. But we can just go with the top half since they're in pods. Okay. Um, Lyon County, like you said, Travis Perry be so much fun to watch they're playing john harden and then um covington catholic will be playing ashton blazer in, in what will be a another must watch game so lyon county um I, i'm gonna take the best player on the floor in this one you know they're gonna they're gonna bring a huge crowd i bet this is their first trip since 1951 the last time they won a regional championship and made it to rough arena so i think that's a really cool story and you know, Travis Perry, he's he's already got 3,142 career points. Uh, by the time it's all said and done, I believe he's going to have King Kelly's record because he's only a sophomore. He's got about – I believe he has four D1 offers right now, um, Ole Miss being the top one. And then I like Jackson Shoulders' game too. I got to see them play in the All-A uh, against Breathitt County where they blew like a 12-point lead in the fourth. But I like this team. They're really efficient. They average close to 80 points a game, second in the state. And John Harden's a team I just don't think many know much about. They're in the fifth region. They made it in 2019. And if everybody remembers that year, they went undefeated going into the state tournament and then lost to Campbell County in the first round of the state tournament. So they got a, a lights-out shooter in Jalen Tyus. They also score it well. So I think this could be a potential high-scoring game. They score 73 points a game. But I'm going to go with the Lions here, the Lyon County Lions. And then the nightcap on Thursday night, I can't wait for this one. You got Cubcast, and then you got Ashlyn Blazer, <clears throat> two of your top ten teams in the state. <clears throat> but, you know, it's, this one's really tough for me to call because just how well Cubcast defends, and then on the other side, how well Ashlyn Blazer moves the ball around. Oh, this is really, really hard. <laughs> but I'm going to say the Tomcats shoot well in this one. I'm, I'm going to pick Ashlyn. I, I love Colin Porter's game. He's, he's one of my favorite guards to watch play. He actually reclassed. He's a senior this year and is going on to play at Liberty, you know, a very good mid-major program. I think he can run the show here, and it's going to be a battle of two great point guards. Evan Absaro is really good, too, and he's going to be a 2023 Mr. Basketball candidate for how how well he is. Cupcat depends, defends really well. Ashland moves the ball really well. I'm going to take the team that shoots the three lights out and go with Ashland here. And then you got Ashland and Lyon County in the quarters. And I'm going to pick Ashland there. I just think they've got too much firepower for them. But, man, I'm torn between that Cubcath and Ashland game. I, I still don't know if I picked the right way. And Heck, you might go opposite with me. Well, I am. But uh, first off, let's go with Lyon County and John Harden. And I want to um, mention that when it comes to these two schools, I want you to listen how close these two teams are. I broke this one down quite a bit. Um Lyon County averages 79.9, John Harden 73.7. Lyon County gives up 63.4, John Harden gives up 66.7. 
Field goal percentage for Lyon County is 47. John Harden, 46. Three-point percentage for Lyon County is 31. 34 for John Harden. 68% from the free throw line, Lyon County, 66 for John Harden. And the difference is Lyon County rebounds 37 a game. John Harden rebounds 27 a game. Um, John Harden has uh, two guys that can put the ball in the back at the basket, Amarion Doctor and Jalen Tyus. But I'm going with Travis Perry and Jackson Shoulders. I think that dynamic duo is going to have a better game than John Harden's. And I think look for the difference in the rebounding there to pull Lyon County ahead. In the second game, and um, probably not going to make a lot of people in Ashland County happy, but I feel like this Ashland County team hasn't really gotten much better this year. And I and it's no knock on the players or the coaches. I think they've had a lot of injuries to deal with. And I know they probably don't rely on a lot of chemistry because they've played together for so long that they probably already have it. But I know Cole Villers has missed a significant amount of time. Uh, Colin Porter's missed a significant amount of time. I think Ethan Sellers missed a couple games right around district tournament time. Um, I just don't know if this Ashland team's any better than the Ashland teams um, the past couple of years. I will. I do know they beat Covcalf, but before we get too ahead over heels on that, that was at Ashland. That's a tough place to play for anybody. Um, at Rupp Arena, I'm going with Covington Catholic to beat Ashland in that game. I will think it will be um, an exciting game. I don't. I think it's going to be close. It's going to be contested. But I think um, the Covington Catholic pulls it out in the end. And I also think – and I also expect Cove Calf to beat Lyon County. So, whoever wins the Covington Catholic-Ashland, we expect to be the third team of the Final Four. Here's my question. With it being on Rupp Arena, obviously the floor's 10 feet longer, maybe a little bit wider. Do you think that favors Ashland in a game like this, considering Covcast length and Ashland being able to spread it around? Yeah, um, it definitely makes Ashland a little bit harder to defend. Ashland does a very good job of running their sets. Coach Mays is a very good X's and O's coach at the high school level. And, and what he does really well is he gets Villers, Sellers, and those guys in position uh, to shoot the basketball. And those guys do that really well. And I just – I don't know. I just haven't been as impressed with Ashland this year as I had the years past. And I think Cove Cass looking to uh, make it back to Rupp and not only just make it there, but to make a little noise while they're there. It's been a while. Yeah, and I mean, you look at the ninth region; they've got they've won four state titles since two thousand nine. So that region's obviously no joke. Collins won it last year, obviously, and uh, man, it's you, you you factor in the two coaches, Rusats and and Mays, and that's just your heavyweight battle, man. That's 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 going to be a fun one to watch. And then uh, going down to the bottom half of the bracket, uh, you got Henry Clay and Murray. It's on that Thursday at six o'clock. To me, that looks like a game first to 50 wins. Both of them defend really well. Uh, Henry Clay's given up, I think, right at 51 points a game. Murray's given up 48 a game. So both defend it really well. I'm just going to go with the 11th region team here. I just think they'll have, you know, bigger bodies, more athleticism. Murray's a very impressive team. I'm sure they're deliver it in, in their offense and grind things out. But it looks like Henry Clay is no stranger to playing those games. And uh, shout out Daniel Brown. He's a Nicholas County grad. So there's some a little bit of a 10th region tie to this one. So I'm going to pick Henry Clay in that one. And then the bottom one, which I'm, kind of a bummer, it's at 11 a.m. But I guess it gives us a good wake-up call in, in Warren Central and Mail. And 
that Warren Central team really impressed me when they were at the Mason County Invitational Tournament in December. They won it. Uh, they defend really well. They've got so much length. They got bodies they throw at you and run a really impressive half-court trap that they ran that week. So I like that team a lot. But with that being said, I just think Mayo is clicking on all cylinders right now. Um, took them three overtimes to even get here after beating Ballard and what was probably maybe labeled as the game of the year or at least the game of the year in Louisville in the seventh region. It's really tough to pick this one because I really like this Warren Central team. Just think they got a tough draw, man. I, I like what Coach Unsell does down there in Bowling Green with those guys. But I'm going to pick Tim Hayworth and Mayo here, uh, mainly because of Caleb Glenn. That, that, that guy is just a beast, man. He's, uh, you know, top – He's, he's top 50 in the state in pretty much every statistical category you could think of. He's scoring 21 a game. He's shooting 65% from the field. He's pulling down 12.7 rebounds a game. They got a really steady point guard in Jack Edlin. Uh, just really like that team, and um, it's such a tough call. But I'm going to go with Mail. I hate it because I, I really like this Warren Central team. I, I thought they were going to make a, a deep run this year, but once that bracket and draw came out, I saw they drew the seven threes, and that's always tough. And then I'm going to pick Mayo to, to make it to the Final Four as well and, and beat Henry Clay. Just don't know if Henry Clay can score with them. Um, I, I think they'll be able to grind it out and maybe keep it close, but I just think Mayo pulls away there. So that would then set up a, a Mayo-Ashland Final Four contest for me. Um, I agree on both games. Um, I'm also going with Henry Clay. Um Daniel Brown does a great job, and this is his first trip to Rupp as a head coach. Um, the, just, you know, when I watched them play Lexington Catholic and just how they were able to just beat them, and they do have a great player, at, um, Henry Clay and Azel Blackwell. Azel, Azel Blackwell. Um, I don't know how you pronounce his first name, but I've watched him play twice in the 11th region, and he's a player. He even fouled out. I think with two or three minutes ago in the finals against Douglas and, you know, the team was able to hold on, but he's a nice player. You'll get a real treat when you see him. But I just think Henry Clay's defense, you know, I also saw Murray when they played Robertson County this year, and you may not always get the, uh, you know, true picture of a team when they're winning by 30, but um, Robertson County was only down like maybe 10 or 11 at the half and played really well for a half and just didn't have the horses to hang. But I think Henry Clay wins that game just on their defense alone. I just think their athleticism will be um, – will make it hard for Murray to guard. And then, you know, Warren Central probably was the one team that I've seen in my with my own two eyes this year that I was impressed with the most other than Clark County. Um, the way they played it. Um, Mason County this year, it was just fun to watch. And, you know, they had five guys that were all around double figures and Jaden Lawrence, Chappelle Whitney, Amari Glover, Demarion Walkup, and then Kate Unseld, who's the coach's son, who's a freshman, good size, good player. And this team beat Bowling Green three times this year. So they obviously can play. Um, just ran into the, you know, if you give them any other draw, if you give them the draw in the upper half of the bracket, they're probably playing on Saturday. Um, but, you know, I talked to Tim Hayworth on a Zoom earlier this year. He told me back then he felt like he had a team that could win the state tournament. And he knows his team as well as I do, so I'm not going to doubt him here. Caleb Glenn, who I think is already committed to Louisville, um, 
22 points a game. They also get 15 points from Desdrick Lindsay. And then Jack Edelin's probably the perfect point guard to play with those two. Just a solid facilitator as well, somebody that can also score and knock down the shots. So I look for Mel to advance. I also look for Mel to um, beat Henry Clay to advance to the Final Four. So I will have Lincoln County, GRC, Covcalf, and Mel. And I've got J-Town, GRC, Ashland, and Mail. So we differ on two. All right. Now. Oh, in the what, upper half, who do you have, J-Town or GRC? Clark. I'm picking Clark. I have Clark in the finals as well. And down the bottom, a little bit more intriguing matchup, you've got um, Mail versus Ashland, and I got Mail versus Cuff Cat. Yeah. I'm taking Mail in the finals. I feel like Mail and GRC has been the two best teams in the state all year long, and I feel like that's the way it's going to happen. I'm with you too. I'm not. I'm not changing that around. It's Mail. I'm going Mail, and then um, I'm a- actually going Mail to win the state tournament. I said it way back before the regional tournament started. I said that um, when they beat Ballard in triple overtime. Um, I felt like that solidified in my mind because, you know, when they beat Mallard in triple or Ballard in triple overtime, um, it prompted people to start talking about, should we give at-large bids? No, I don't think we should. I'm never going to be on that train or that wagon. I think the way Kentucky does it is fine. It doesn't need to be changed. But, you know, it is a shame that a team like Ballard doesn't get the opportunity to compete. But, hey, when you're reaching. But um, I, I just feel like if there's one team that can – you know, hang with Clark at every position. It probably is Mel. And um, Caleb Glenn's going to be the difference maker to me there. That kid's a monster. Um, just a great all-around high school player. And it, it shows why he's got, you know, an offer and committed to Louisville because he's truly probably the best player in the state. But um, I'm going with Mel. I hate to agree with you, but I'm going to have to agree with you. <laughs> I'm going mail too. I, I just think uh, game in, game out in that region, you're tested every night. Um, they, they've played a, a similar schedule as Clark in terms of the Christmas tournaments. And uh, it, it's just, it, it's going to be a heck of a matchup if it gets there. Um, no, and I also want to say that I'm not going to be a bit shocked or upset if GRC wins. Right. You know, I, you know got, I don't want anybody to listen to think I'm hating on GRC or anything. That's not the case. Here's I mean, the, we got them in the state final. How are you hating on them? Well, <laughs> you, gotta, you know, but people in the 10th region think the 10th region should stick together. But here's what I'm doing here. What you just said was the ultimate difference for me. They are battle tested every night in the 7th region. There are no off nights. Now, I know GRC's played a tough schedule. We've admitted to that. But they weren't – they weren't – contested in the 10th other than the semis with Mason County, and that was still a double-digit victory. And they've got a great draw when you look at it. Outside of that quarterfinal game, I mean, they're not facing a top-10 team in the state until they get to the championship. So, Good point. Good point. It's a, it's a great draw set up for them to win three games, I think, and then get to championship night. And, and maybe that does play a factor, considering Mayo's going to have to go through Warren Central and then they're going to have to beat both either Ashland and Covcath and GRC on the same day. That's why I just – I'm not a big fan of this format. I know it, it used to be that way. 
But to me, high school basketball is different than AAU. It's not like you're running up and down the floor and playing three and four games a day. That that type of game is just a lot different than a high school varsity basketball game, especially at Rupp Arena in the state tournament setting. It takes a lot out of you. But so, also, as a fan, I like it on the same day because it saved me a lot of money of spending another room for a hotel in the Sunday. Um, my boss is happy about that, that I don't have to spend another night at a hotel. So Right. And, you know, um, my but boss – I, I want I, the best game, the way the way they have it. And I'm not saying it won't be still, but I just think, yeah, you got to play at 1.30 against an Ashland or a Cubcast, and then, boom, you're going to have to turn around in less than four hours and, and play against, you know, Clark most likely is my guess. Well, I guess if they're the best team, they'll truly get the opportunity to prove it. Here's my question. Is there any chance of maybe some dark horse or sleeper outside of who we talked about? Or I wouldn't be shocked if Pikeville. I mean, yeah. Pikeville's a team that I feel like I, – I just feel like they have a rough second-round matchup with GRC. Um, I don't think anybody, honestly – and if any of that top four pod was placed anywhere else throughout the bracket, they'd all lose their first-round game. Um, so, I mean – as much as I, I'd love for the Lyon County story to stick because they're truly, and I saw somebody put this on Twitter, they're the only team in the bracket without a football team. So they're yeah. the, really the only true small school. So I would love for that to stick. But, um, I, you know, and I guess you almost have to, you'd have to call Warren Central. I mean, I think Mel beats them, but I don't think it's um, – out of the realm of possibility. I mean, Warren Central's RPI was 0.675 and Mel was 0.671. So they actually had a higher RPI, but um, I just feel like Mel's, you know, I don't put no stock in the RPI. I think it's hogwash and um, don't even know why we have it if we don't ever use it. But Yeah, that's where it doesn't make much sense. Like football, it it gets used, you know. Right. Once you get down to the – uh, quarterfinals and who hosts semifinal matchups, but uh, yeah, well, I, mean, I, I think you know we've got two of the same four in the final four. We've got the same state champ, but uh, I think it's going to boil down to the Jefferson Town Lincoln County game and then the um, Ashland and Cuffcast game. Even if I still win those two games, I still can't catch you. What do you mean? You're th- you won three in a row. That'd only be two that I'd win. <laughs> We're pretty well same throughout, but uh, hey, uh, I've got this shutting off here in four minutes, so I uh, okay. just want to take the last you know few minutes here to thank you once again for uh, agreeing to do this. I've had a blast. Um, I can't wait till we can do it next year, and maybe sometime this summer we can get together for something and you know put something together. But uh, once again, appreciate you and coming on here with me. I've enjoyed it and looking forward to it next year. Yeah, man, I'm I'm stoked and. Uh... You know, looking forward to the final four four days of basketball. It's crazy. It's just it flies by. You know, once November hits, you're so ready for it to get here. And then obviously you hit your dog days in late January, early February. It's freezing cold out and you gotta travel to a gym forty five minutes away. But you know, that's kind of what I live for and, and do. And you know, I've been in a gym the last three weeks almost every night, you know, for, for that time frame. And, it was a blast. You know, I appreciate you having me on. It's, it's fun to talk about it instead of having to, you know, type about it. So it, uh, it it's it's just something that you, I look forward to on Sundays. And I'd say we could do a baseball podcast, but I don't know, man, not with not with your Reds and their fire sale. I just think 
baseball around here and the interest is going to be rather low this summer. <laughs> well, we're not going to talk about the Reds right now because I want to end this on a positive note. Uh, but, uh, you know, like we say, everybody every week, you know, stay tuned and stay hot.